fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Haydner. Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Final episode of the fantasy fullback dive brought to you by the good people at the roto street journal as always the fantasy fullback dive paving your way acting as your lead blocker to fantasy glory fantasy excellence hopefully titles so you can brag about us and how we helped you get there we know you can do it i'm your host nat the truth jones with me as always the wolf of roto street himself and we are in the weeds like i said yesterday but we're deeper in the weeds today we're three episodes into our eight part series hitting every division we did the west of the nfc the first Day. We did the East yesterday, and now we're coming north to what used to be the NFC Central. Now is the NFC North. We're going to be hitting the Packers. We're going to be hitting the Bears. We're going to be hitting the Vikings, and we're going to be hitting the Lions. And before I introduce my esteemed co-host, I just <laughs> want to say this information is fluid. It is changing all the time. I made the mistake. All you people that are trying to do a good job, be good professionals, and are trying to get on top of things and do your work early, don't do that. You got to do it in the last minute because if you prepare three days early for a fantasy argument, the chances are there's going to be a lot of changes before that. I've been scrambling. I think I'm up to date. I think I'm going to be able to use the correct projections, the correct rankings, but only time will tell. With all that said, Wolf, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Nat. I've got a, a great day planned ahead here. Going to go celebrate the uh, the three-year anniversary over there a little bit later. So that's exciting stuff. But, of course, love diving into some football goodness right beforehand, as you said, updating these by the day. And I think that's a really good point to, you know, obviously it's great for all you guys to watch these projections. But if you do want on your draft day the most up-to-date with everything that's been happening in the preseason training camp and all that stuff – I am going through daily. I apologize that to make your life a, a little bit more difficult before these shows. But that's that's what you know. You got it's going to be a premium offering. It's got to be something that's always up to date like that. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, stocks stock prices from three days ago aren't that valuable. Actually, exactly. so probably should have thought of that. I will say, with me going over all the stuff, uh, you know, last minute making changes, I think I'm actually more up to speed on stuff than I would have been otherwise. So. There's the silver lining everybody was looking for. You ready oh, to get right into the division, the NFC North? We shall do it. But right before we do, if you guys All don't right. mind giving this a thumbs up, I uh, mean the world to us, whether you're on YouTube, Facebook, on, on you know, Twitter as well, the retweets and, and likes. They just help us get out to more people, help us get more discovered, and it would mean the world if you like this content, whether you're catching the replay or here live with us. Of course, we'll answer any of your questions as we always do at the end of the broadcast after we breeze through these four teams. Let's bring it on in, Nat. All right, we're going to start alphabetically just to keep it boring. Chicago, the Bears, definitely had some changes. This is one of the teams I'm worried I might not be all over the way I should as far as the accurate projections. And the main reason I'm concerned is because of the field Dalton, uh, Fields Dalton quarterback situation. Uh, you got some feelings on that. So why don't we start with the team and then I'll tell you about your projections. Yeah, I, I projected it out of the team. You know, Matt Nagy has always been more pass happy. He comes from that Kansas City Andy Reid style offense where he was the offensive coordinator. So I do expect it to be right around 58 to 60 percent pass to 40 to 42 percent run, even with David Montgomery emerging as a potential workhorse, a guy he's talked up as 20 plus carries a game. I still think they're going to be relatively pass happy. And this was is skewed a little bit more. 
run heavy than I would have normally had it because I do think, and, and this is one of the big changes you've seen. I think Justin Fields has taken over this job before week one. I know they're going to continue to talk about this is Andy Dalton. He's, he, he's the starter. He's going to be out there week one. I think at most it's week one and he's done. Uh, I think this is really going to be the Justin Fields show. So right now I haven't projected for a hundred percent of the passing game volume. All right. And so that's a big change a few days ago, literally a few days ago, maybe a week tops, but probably less than that. You had these guys with pretty much identical projected numbers, Um, you know, in the, you know, 2,200 yards, 300 attempts, uh, 12 touchdowns and a few picks for each guy. How does it shake out now? What are you looking at right now, in your opinion? Yeah, as you can see, I have field taken all 600 of the pass attempts I project for this team, completing 366 of them. He came in as one of the top five most accurate passers of the last five draft classes. So I like that he's got that accuracy all over the field. I have him eventually thrown for 4,000 yards, 32 uh, 32 touchdowns, 15 inches. You're going to see those rookie mistakes. But the big thing with fields as well, and we saw this, in the preseason game is the Konami upside 88 rushes 440 for seven touchdowns is the real deal here. He, he scored 18 points in a quarter of action after the second half. Yeah. It came against second and third stringers. Everybody in the preseason is playing against those. He finally got his legs under him and we saw how rapidly this guy can elevate the points. So ultimately, you know, I talked about Trey Lance what two episodes ago, one episode, whenever that one was uh, as the guy I needed to go get. If I miss on him, then I have this to have, your guy. Right. I need one of those two. I need one of these two rookies, no matter what happens, whether I have a quarterback, whether I don't have one yet, whether they're starting or not, I need one of those two on my roster. And heck, if I get both even better, uh, he's right up there in terms of potential cheat code, potential 2021 Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, breakout style quarterback, in my opinion. All right. I won't waste time with the projection rank versus the big board rank because I was late on that one. But I will say on the big board, you have fields coming in right around quarterback 14, I think. So borderline starter. And like you said, you're trying to get him or the other guy or both, uh, you know, on your teams uh, in auction. These guys figure to be fairly cheap, too. Yeah, you can see here, too. He's actually the QB 10 in my projections now that I've given him the full time starter status, which, again, comes from that Konami upside. It's still now. If he does get the starting nod all year, of course that's going to move him above, uh, you know, Trey Lance, who I still have as a, ahead of him, because I think my gut just tells me that guy's going to be the league winner for sure when he takes over. I have a little more question marks on Fields, but if he's named the starter as I, I am now expecting him to be, eventually, you know, before the season, that's going to obviously impact the rankings too. Sure. All right, let's move on to running back and a guy that has caused us a fair amount of uh, just emotional turmoil, you'd have to say, over the past two seasons. And that is David Montgomery, who is the presumed, you'd have to say, bell cow back on the Chicago Bears. Now, you got him projected, I believe, 260 carries for a little over 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns. Not a bad stat line. 37 catches for 270 and a touchdown. That's not that impressive. You actually have Damon, Damian Williams, I think, getting right around the same number of catches. Um, but that was good for your 17th ranked running back on projection list. I think you actually bump him slightly to 15 on your big board. What are you thinking about Montgomery? I can see the appeal. It's still a little bit hard for me to get too excited about him, even though we saw, let's face it, he was amazing at the end of last year. Yeah, and I think a lot of the factors that led to that breakout, Nat, like everyone, oh, he was facing the easiest schedule. Very true. Oh, Tariq Cohen was hurt. Very true. But the, I guess, good news for, for Montgomery and not for Cohen is 
Cohen still isn't practicing. He's still dinged up. And so all that receiving work could end up going to Montgomery again. Now, Damian Williams is a very adept pass catcher, familiarity with the chief scheme, all that stuff. So I do, as you see in the projections, think they'll, they'll split those. But just the fact that Montgomery will see some third downs and some receiving work is a huge boost to his value. Plus the schedule thing, he also has the easiest schedules, as we talked about with Marcus Grant just a week or two ago on our podcast. Go check it out if you missed the strength of schedule episode. David Montgomery has the easiest schedule among running backs entering this year. So once again, facing a cream puff schedule, Matt Nagy's already come out and said 20-plus carries a week for this guy is more than doable. Well, that would send him into the 300 carry range. So maybe I am being a little conservative with just 260, but I really do think a light switch went off last year. This guy, you see the practice highlights, bowling through tackles, going all over the place. It just seems like... The guy we saw in college, we were so hyped about as a rookie that led us to be so disappointed when he was tentative and, and you know, tiptoeing behind the line and more lateral. It seems to me like he's finally refound that kind of bull straight ahead, breaking tackle. I mean, he was leading the before Javante Williams broke the metric. He was leading in the, the pro, tack, pro football focuses broken tackle rate. So, I mean, this guy, we're seeing it finally kind of click. I'm expecting a big, big season. I think he's a fantastic investment in round three. Yeah, I Actually, really, I wanted to bring that up. I, you were answering a question, or I saw it on the website. I honestly don't remember where, but somebody talked about nailing their first two picks with just elite stud receivers. And I remember you obviously respected those picks and then came back with, a, you know, David Montgomery would be a great pick to, you know, start your running back stable after solidifying receivers so well. And that actually stuck with me. And I'm possibly going to be taking that into my hometown draft tomorrow. I think it's a really good point, whether you, whether that means you go Kelsey Adams first round, whether you go receiver, receiver, like you're saying. No, Ridley Diggs, something like that. Right, exactly. Whether it's those guys and then you go bang, bang, running back, running back, and he's your two. I really think even if you go like Diggs, Hill somehow, if that's, you know, the elite receivers work out, you can have measure one in that case. Like he's – a very high floor guy, regardless of where you're sliding him into your lineup. All right, let's move on to receiver and a guy that I really like, and I hope my stats are right on him, Allen Robinson. You got him for 100 catches, nice even 100. That makes it easy. 1,230 yards, nine touchdowns, and you got him getting 150 targets. So I love the round numbers you're using with that uh, Robinson. That works out to a 67% catch rate. Um, it seems like, you know, I love him. It seems like you kind of do too. You have him ranked as your wide receiver 13 based on projections. You got him as your wide receiver nine, which always betrays your, uh, you know, your thoughts a little bit means you kind of sneaky, maybe like him even a little bit more than that. Um, then you got the the second receiver. I'm not sure my numbers are right on him, but you got Darnell Mooney on both lists as their wide receiver two uh, okay. in, in the forties on both your lists, uh, you know, putting up like 6,900, six touchdowns, something like that. Uh, we'll see. What do you think? Uh, talk to me about Robinson. Talk to me a little more about Mooney. Yeah, as you can see here, I've actually been bumping up Mooney a bit based okay. on the hype coming in. 61 catches, 915, 6 TDs. They're saying he's, his releases are looking like Antonio Brown. I know that's hyperbole. Antonio Brown's one of the best at getting off the line of scrimmage that the game has ever seen. But this guy was so impressive, Mooney, all last year. And we saw him just running down the field time and time again, wide open, and Foles just sailing it over his head. Trubisky sailing it short. And, <laughs> you know, it's so painful to watch this guy just run so wide open and have that happen. Justin Fields, as we mentioned, one of the top five most deep, uh, accurate passes all over the field, but including deep accuracy coming into the year, one of the uh, top two in this class behind only Mac Jones. I really think that's going to be a amazing hookup, him and Mooney, one of the best, like, round nine, ten wide receiver investments as your four, fifth receiver. 
especially in best ball too. He's going to have some real spike weeks going deep down the field. Love him. But at the top, as you mentioned, Allen Robinson, who I'm projecting for a nice 25% target share. And that might be conservative. This guy has seen right around 140 to 150 targets in both seasons with the Bears. Uh, this is by far the best quarterbacking situation. Even if Andy Dalton played all year, which, of course, I'm not expecting based on these projections, that would still be the best quarterback Allen Robinson's ever played with. And even Latin, even with this carousel of shit with Foles, with Trubisky, he's been the quarter, the wide receiver eight and nine since arriving in Chicago because of the volume, the, the just every down usage. They move him all over the place. The definition of an alpha that is somehow falling to round three. I get top 10 and back-to-back years, but he's falling outside of like top 12 in a lot of people's rankings in mid-round three pick. You can't get a better target hog than that in round three, in my opinion. I'm going to say something that's going to piss you off. I like oh, him as yeah. I like him. I like him as much as Justin Jefferson. Wow. And you know what, Nat? Like the track record is certainly even more established with, with Allen Robinson. I love what Jeff, Justin Jefferson did yeah, in he's only awesome. his first year. So like the upside's there to me, but the floor, you could definitely make the argument that the floor is higher with Robinson. And if you went with him instead of Je- Justin Jefferson, like I wouldn't do that myself, but Right. I'm not gonna say you're a moron. No, that actually doesn't piss me off nearly as much as you might expect. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying I would necessarily take him over, but he's a guy that's gonna go substantially after him, uh, and he's and you'd pay a lot less for him in an auction draft. And I don't see them as markedly different. Right. If you can get if you can get a Rob in an auction for a five ten dollar discount, like right. that's robbery. That, that's, that's what I'm saying. Robbery. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. All right. Uh, I didn't. I, we'll talk about Jefferson later in this pod, and I'll tell you some more thoughts on that. Anyway, uh, let's get tight end done real quick. Cole Komet, and I have no idea if Komet is the correct pronunciation, but that's what we're going with. It is. Um, Okay, Cole Komet. Uh, You got him as your tight end 15, uh, 57 catches, 564, eight touchdowns. Uh, There's the Jimmy Graham, obviously, uh, secondary tight end on the list. And this falls into the Zach Ertz category for me, and a couple other guys are going to fall in that category, which is the guy I'm just waiting for somebody in my draft to pick just so I can have a good chuckle. What, Jimmy Graham? Yeah. 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 Someone, <laughs> someone's going to pick him. He's not going to go undrafted. Someone's going to pick him. But, oh, Jimmy Graham, he was great 11 years ago. Exactly. There's always those names that like, <laughs> owners are scrambling for the stickers and like, oh, that's a name I recognize, Jimmy Graham. Uh, and clearly I'm projecting him to be the number two this year. He started sure. giving that back to Cole Komet. But a lot of people, as you're saying, the common fantasy folk might not recognize that Cole Komet became their number one tight end. As a rookie last year, the hardest position to translate as rookies is tight ends. This guy really started to blossom down the stretch there. 6'4", athletic, big hands, like was the number one prospect of last year in the tight end category. And there's just often that natural year two leap for for rookie tight ends in general. I think that's obviously in Cole Komet's favor. Uh, I think the fact that he's just such a red zone beast, as you can see, eight touchdowns toward the top of the position when I'm projecting him for, I don't know that you're going to get such steady receiving outputs every week that every week you can rely on him. But on the ones where you know it's going to be a shootout, they're going to need points. I think Cole Komet's going to really surprise this year in terms of being towards the top of the list in touchdowns. And if Jimmy Graham gets hurt or just is as useless as he's looked and the team finally just takes him off the field, Komet really could as an every down guy. This is like nibbling each other's cheese situation. We had so many of those in yesterday's situation. The, the difference is, though, Cole Komet goes undrafted mostly. And yeah. I'm not paying a Dallas Goddard top 50, you know, top 12 tight end price to get a Cole Komet. You can stash him as your tight end to see what happens with him and Jimmy Graham. And if the touchdowns are flowing like you think, I think he could end up becoming a really viable weekly piece to rosters. Yep, I got him on my short list of guys in my auction, which is happening tomorrow, that I'm hoping to get for maybe like a buck. 
something yeah. like that. All right, that actually that was the timer that rounds out the Bears. We're gonna go right into the Lions. Good timing there, uh, Wolf. All right, Lions. And this is one of as you're getting into this one, Nat. This is one of the more disgusting teams, but yeah, yeah, yeah. One to two players though that really, really intrigued me. Yeah, I, and I probably know who you're talking about, but we'll yeah. we'll get into that in a second. I was gonna say probably Swift and Hawkinson, and that's what you just put up on the screen. Probably so right. Anyway, <laughs> right. So anyway, the Lions. We alluded to their horrible receiving core when we were talking about some of the uh, bum receiving cores in the NFC days earlier. And after two days of anticipation, we're actually gonna go into them. All right, but we're gonna start with the leader of the ship, Jared Goff. Um, Goff, you got down for 363 uh, out of 560, a little over 4,000 yards, 27 touchdowns, 14 picks. I have written next to him. I consider him a total non-factor in fantasy, a low-end guy in a two-quarterback league. Uh, (laughs) You got him him as your quarterback 23 based on the projections, which is actually down a little bit. Um, And then you got him, I think, as your 30 on the big board, which I think is probably more how you feel about him. A hundred percent. Right. Cause in my projections, he might even be coming up like ahead of Trey Lance, who I might have only for a half season of stats, but I think those half seasons of stats are going to be so meaningful. I, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, you would take him over that guy. You certainly oh, would. Never. Certainly, certainly not. Uh, and I think exactly how you describe him, very low end QB two. like in those, if you have a super flex league and he's sitting there, why not? There is the narrative that the lines are going to blow, and I think that's a very true narrative. That no, <laughs> it's a strong true. narrative, right? Very strong narrative. So he is going to have to chuck most likely. I really think, though, as you can see with my my holistic team projections, you know, minus fifty one in league average and total plays. I think they're going to make their best attempt at slowing games down, bleeding clock, running, running, running until the doors are just so blown off that they have to chuck in the second half. And Goff just doesn't really have that great of an arm or that great of weaponry to do that much damage, even in these positive script scenarios that he's going to find. So (laughs) as a desperation, best ball, last quarterback pick, there's going to be a couple 25 point weeks where he just throws three touchdowns because they have to go back. Maybe. Maybe. Right. (laughs) He was good with Sean McVay. I mean, he had three top 10 seasons across four uh, with Sean McVay, but this is a completely different defense. Completely different weapons. Like I think McVeigh covered a ton of of his faults, and it's just a, a bridge to whenever they have their next future guy in the future, you know, next year or whenever they draft him. Uh, so yeah, there's no real reason to draft Jared Goff. It is not the sexiest aerial pie, and that's why these receiving core. Like there's not going to be a ton of guys we're really hyping up here. We're gonna know. We certainly will not be. We're gonna be talking about the running backs real quick, and you are interested in DeAndre Swift, but then we will get into the you know the main reason that despite. Goff's past fantasy uh, excellence, you know, like you said, three top 10 seasons. He was throwing to different guys. And we're going to talk to you about the guys he is throwing to in just a second. But anyway, DeAndre Swift, you got him down at for 216, almost a thousand yards on the ground, six touchdowns. Uh, More importantly, you got him for almost 70 catches for 545 and four touchdowns. Those numbers actually, I think, are down a little bit for you, but still substantial running back production out of the backfield catching balls. Um, you had your numbers go up a little across the board for uh, Swift uh, rushing specifically, but you did drop him a couple spots. He's now your running back 13 on the projection board, and you got him at 18 on the big board. You're projecting him essentially to split carries with Jamal Williams 60-40, something right. like that. It's a back by committee as far as I'm concerned. But then you do have him catching a lot more balls, although you do have Williams catching quite a few balls as well, maybe 50 uh, I don't know. Is this just, you know, that skyrockets his numbers. Is this just in uh, a pass catching thing? Seems you, it seems like you don't really believe in it. Yeah. It's one of those tricky things. I, 
I, I will say I believe in the player 100%. I believe in the talent. Every time he's gotten the opportunity, I mean, there's the stats. I tweeted it out. When he's seen 12 or more carries, he's averaged almost 20 fantasy points per game. He would have been like top 10 in that usage. So, And that's 12 or more. That's not even that heavy of usage. No, it's not. So the, the, the efficiency is 100% there. He when he gets the work, he does damage. He was uh, scoring all over the field, and he is amazing as a receiver. Maybe the best to come out of last year's class as a receiver. So I would not be shocked if he is right towards the list in terms of running back targets, running back receptions. In fact, they vacated over sixty-five percent of their targets from last year. So there is a wide open target totem pole, and I think this is their most talented player. Uh, they they would be wise to structure everything around him. They're already coming out though and saying. You know, Anthony Lynn, their offensive coordinator. Jamal Williams is my big A A back. Like, he's the one that you're going to pound up the middle. He's good in pass protection, so he's going to be in there too. So it does, and that's why you see a pretty even split. I'm not not even 50-50, but, you know, nice. 60-40 is is not nothing. That's not bell cow stuff. Also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention your numbers on Williams. You got him for about 60-40 or the 40 end of the carries, the yards. But you did recently bump his touchdowns on the ground from like three to seven. Yeah, I think that might be how they want to use this guy. DeAndre Swift is not the biggest guy. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him see those goal line snaps. Jamal Williams was the every down back when Swift missed their first preseason game. And I think the reason why I rank Swift a little bit lower than I project him for is these projections, of course, are over a 17-game season. Right. I don't think there's much of a chance we see Swift for all 17 games. He's already dealing with a groin injury in camp. Now, if we do, and you get this guy that I think could be the running back, you, as you said, 13 in fantasy at a fourth-round price right now as everyone's freaking out injuries, he could be a real league winner at that price. I still love going at him in, in that late third, early fourth range because there is so much upside in this talent and the available volume. Again, 65% of their targets vacated, 60% of their carries vacated with on Johnson and AP gone. There is the case for him to be a, an absolute monster. And Deuce Staley said we want to give him 25 touches a game. I don't buy a word he says. I don't believe that. He said the same thing for Miles Sanders last year, and that got no, got us all nowhere. But I do think the upside is really high at his price. I just don't know that we'll see him for the amount of games to get him to that actual final statistical output. All right. Let's get into the receivers. And we are not really getting into the receivers because we think these guys are great fantasy options, but it's more like let's just marvel for a second about the receiving core. <laughs> going to be throwing two. So it's worth noting there have been a few changes as far as how you see these guys, the pecking order in the past. Yeah. You know, you had Brashard Perryman as the captain of the ship, and then now it's Tyrell Williams. You even texted me. You were said, oh, I've changed it a little, you know, now with Tyrell Williams being the target hog. Now, target hog numbers for Tyrell go. Williams putting <laughs> three projections as your wide receiver 56. On your big board, 65, so you don't even like him that much. Perryman, uh, you have – as your wide receiver, 83 by projections. This is like these guys are both – you got them both catching 57 balls, although Williams you got getting about 800 yards, Perriman 550, and then four and five touchdowns respectively. Those are not lights-out numbers. And then you got Amon Ra St. Brown uh, maybe as the third guy, 39 catches, 500 yards, three touchdowns. These are not exactly numbers that are blowing me away. I don't know. Or should they be? <laughs> you know, 90 targets for your top receiver is not really a fantasy light vein there. But there is always those receivers and those crappy wide receiver cores that we don't know who's the number one. You're looking at the Jets yeah. this year, the Saints until Michael Thomas comes back. And of, of course, Detroit right here, right now. This was like a, the Terry McCord. Except no one's coming back. 
Right. Exactly. There is nobody coming back for these guys. <laughs> and in their first action, Tyrell Williams did see four uh, uh, targets from Jared Goff, led the team in terms of Jared Goff's targets, one of them coming in the end zone. And they're saying he's been the one most consistent, one available in camp, but also two just performance-wise. Uh, Tyrell Williams did have a 1,000-yard season just a couple years ago. He's been a little bit dinged up since then. But there, he's shown the ability to be a pretty big play uh, number one that can kind of do it all at like mediocre level. So out of this garbage depth chart, to me, he's the number one. He's worth like a around 13, 14 stab in case he does become like an actual viable true number one. I think he's just the number one of a shitty core though. And it ultimately won't lead to too, too much value. I do think he's worth drafting everyone else here. I'm pretty much ignoring other than maybe a last round stab at St. Brown. Because he is a rookie with some upside. They're already comparing him to, you know, Goss next Cooper Cup and can that's not gonna happen. Come on, man. <laughs> there's no there's no rookie here in this receiving core that's gonna break through into prominence with Jared Goff and these other guys taking pressure away from them. That's just not gonna happen. I agree. Williams is probably the best guy in this group, but it's you know, it's a low bar. Right. St. Brown is their slot weapon too. So like in three receiver sets, so play there. What I was concerned with, though, in the preseason is when I went to two receiver sets, rather than giving this guy extensive work, moving him all over the place, seeing what the rookie can do, they took him off those snaps, which I don't like to see. He could, again, be the most valuable. He's certainly the most upside of this group is St. Brown. Should he become an every-down threat? Should he actually live up to that Cooper Cup hype? But I don't buy it. I, I'm not seeing it myself. Uh, the, the main thing of this passing attack is who we're going to be talking about next. I don't want to get too into the ins and outs, X's and O's of, of football because you're just, you know, that stuff in and out a lot better than I do. But aren't you going to stack the box against these guys? Yeah. Are you going to be like, well, we don't want to get burned on the outside by Brashard Perryman. Exactly. Like, you know, right. I mean, I think, it's, you have to think this is going to kill like everybody. I, it really could. Uh, the only thing that would keep them from potentially doing that, though, is Perriman and Quintez Shepherd. They both have like very viable speed. I'm not saying they're good, but they do have the speed to to really burn down the field. So it, it's, it's not for me to like say that with a straight face. Like, yeah, they're really going to be threatening defenses. Like, but they do have the speed that you have to at least account for. And because they're going to be playing from behind so far, I think this is going to end up being like, yeah, exactly. Like it's going to be just a very easy offense to stop. Uh, and there's not going to be a whole ton of points coming out of this, this Detroit's team. All right. One guy that we do both like TJ Hawkinson at tight end, you got him for 84 catches, a little over 900 yards and eight touchdowns and getting 123 targets, which is a lot of targets for a guy like him. You got him as your tight end four on projections. You also have him as your tight end four on the big board. Uh, give me a couple seconds on Hawkinson. Cause he's a guy yeah. I like too. Oh, yeah. It's easy to like him, especially when he falls to round six right now and could be among behind only like Kelsey Kittle Waller on the target totem pole among tight ends. And in fact, there's some of those guys like Kittle. He, he might see Hawkinson more targets than Kittle this year because he is truly the only real threatening option on this team. That eight touchdowns would be by far career high for some reason, a big body and athletic guy. He hasn't really similar to Kittle in that sense. They had a big touchdown season yet. So I'm projecting that to, to change this year with no real other threats in the red zone um, other than maybe Swift. So 924 yards, 84 receptions. It's just a volume bet here. That puts him up to my number four tight end in my rankings. And a lot of people going for pits in round four. And I love the upside of pits. Don't get me wrong. I think it, I'd much rather take whatever receiver or running backs are available there. Cause by round six, it, it starts to really thin out there. Hawkins is just a glaring value. In my opinion, again, 130 ish targets from the tight end position that late. 
all day. That's the one him and, and Swift are really the only two guys I, I'm genuinely trying to buy. Maybe Tyrell Williams late within this offense. I'm not interested in Swift. I could be interested in the other guys. <laughs> all right. Let's talk about the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is a guy that's been moving up your board a decent amount uh, in recent days. I learned as I was double checking my projections today. Uh, you got him at 395 uh, out of 600 for a little over 4,700 yards, 34 touchdowns, six picks. Um, you get That puts him as your quarterback nine on projections, which I think is up from 13 just a few days ago. Uh, and you got him as your quarterback eight on the big board. I actually think you're low on both. Uh, but why'd you move him up? I think just the fact that he's there, active, engaged with the team finally again, led to me bumping up his statistics quite a bit. I've always projected them as if Rodgers was there, but a little more conservatively. Uh, so, yeah, I, I bumped him up a little bit. You, the, the most recent, I do actually have him down to 4,365 yards. What? Uh, when? Did you do this? <laughs> I don't know if you're looking at the uh, my uh, Wolf Training Camp update versus Wolf Projection 1. No, uh, no, I'm maybe. doing the training camp update. Yeah, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know exactly when that happened. There was no real justification or reason for me lowering him other than I've gotten a little bit higher, more bullish on Aaron Jones having a monster season and him right. seeing a little more work this year. Uh, but, yeah, there is that narrative that Rodgers has that last dance style season where he just goes berserk wants to pad his stats, wants to pat Adam's stats as they enter this last season together before they both find greener pastures next year. There is that narrative. There is that ceiling. I just think after, what, 42 touchdowns last year, he has to – you need that narrative to sustain what he did last year. I think he regresses like in between what he did in 2019 where he only threw like 25, 26 touchdowns between 41 touchdowns. I'm seeing a nice middle ground happening this year. All right. Fair enough. I see. I will talk about this when we get to the receivers with Rogers, because I feel like there's at least in my thinking, there's some discrepancy as far as the guy's going to throw for tons of yards. He's going to have a good season, but it seems like at, you know, all right, well, we'll talk about it a little bit now. seems like you're going really, really heavy to Adams. I mean, like, I feel like you gave him, gifted him a few more touchdowns just in the past few days. I feel like he bumped from like 11 or 12 to now 15. Um, but the other guys, you're not giving much love to at all. And I understand that. There's three other guys that are just like kind of ho-hum, we'll see. I feel like one of those guys, and we're talking about Alan Lazard, MVS, and Randall Cobb, I feel like one of those guys you have to be really low on. And maybe it's just we don't know which guy that is. Right. It's tough to project. I do think it's really just the Adams show, and and I'm not really buying into it. We haven't seen Cobb have more than – you know. 600 he hasn't hit 600 yards in four straight seasons even his last with green bay and rogers he wasn't great i know a lot of people hyped up that he's there again and rogers vouched for me really wanted him but I, I don't think cobb brings much to the table at this stage i would have liked alan lazard had cobb not joined yeah. I, to me it's just like all those guys are going to have decent weeks every now and again i don't think any of them are just steady in fact there's a guy on this list who's i mean rather is not on this list i'm a little bit more intrigued by and that's Devin Funches. Uh, he, he was signed there in 2019, got hurt, didn't play last year due to COVID. Last preseason game, sees eight targets, hauls in six of them for, for, I think, 80 yards it came down to, looking like his old self. Out of all these guys, Funches by far brings more to the table in terms of complete route trees, in terms of size, in terms of red zone ability. So if he continues to carve out a role throughout this preseason, not only is that going to hurt these other guys, and that's why I think I started to bump them down a little bit, he himself would probably leap, leap into this depth chart as the, I think, the upside to be the number two in this offense. So as a last-round dart throw, I don't really like Cobb, Lazard, or Scantling. 
Uh, unless it's best ball, Scantling will have a few blow-up weeks and, and he'll get projected in your lineup. But otherwise, I think Funches has the best bet to potentially carve himself out a nice sleeper role in this offense. And certainly if something ever happened to Adams, he has the most complete, like, big-body receiver skill set um, to fill that void, in my opinion. All right. All right. That's a good tip. That's interesting. And just to be clear, and I mean, who knows if my numbers are even right at this point, but you do have Adams as your wide receiver two on projections, but your wide receiver one on the big board. You got him catching over 120 balls and getting like 180 targets, something crazy like that. I'm not saying crazy like you were wrong. I'm just saying those are pretty crazy numbers. And, it is uh, insane. Almost he was 1,500 yards yeah. and 15 touchdowns. Those are big, big, big numbers. Big, big numbers from a guy that did it all last year uh, was I think he set the record or was second best, maybe behind only Moss that season in terms of fantasy points per game because he missed a couple and he still put up, what, 16, 17 touchdowns. I, I don't know that that regresses. When they get in close, they just dial his number. There are multiple times where they'll you know go for the fade on first down. And the, the goal line miss it, and then Rogers goes right back and to it. And go back to it again. Yeah, you know, it's it's unstoppable the connection and rapport they have. And like I said, if that last dance narrative comes true, Adams and him will have a very very special season. I love if I'm not going running back in round one. Like if I'm right around six seven, I love getting either Kelsey or Adams. As we said earlier, with the running backs, there are some good guys in round three to round out your stable. If you want to go an elite pass catcher like Adams or uh, or Kelsey there. I have no problem with it, and I'm drafting at seven in my main league. I'm, I'm hoping I get Adams. I hope no one's watching it right now, uh, but I, I, I'm hoping Adams falls to me. I, I love this guy. I, I think he's going to have a monster season. How do you not love this guy? I mean, he's amazing. No, he's, he's great. He's, he's the best guy going probably. Yeah. All right. So uh, we did skip a pretty important fantasy guy running back, Aaron Jones. You've got him as your RB6 on both lists. Um, and again, hopefully my numbers here are right. 266 for 1264 and 11 touchdowns, uh, adding a little over 40 catches for over 300 yards and another three touchdowns. Um, the last update I saw, you had him carrying less than twice as much as A.J. Dillon, but being a big force in the passing game, whereas Dillon is pretty much a nothing there. And certainly we've seen the Packers misuse Jones before. Um, yeah. But I think uh, his fantasy value to me ends up being pretty touchdown dependent. I mean, I know that's not a hot take. That's true with a lot of people. Do you see that as a case? I think w- with Dylan, yes. Jones, I think because we have Jamal Williams gone now, Will- Jones did run more routes than Williams, but Williams still saw right around 190 routes run last year. Uh, he-, he saw about 150 total touches between carries and targets. And I think some of those carries will definitely filter down to Dylan, but I think a lot of the receiving work is going to go to Jones who's so much more dangerous as a threat in the passing game than Williams ever was. He has been so efficient whenever he's used in the pass game. So with this little bump in receiving, it sends his ceiling through the roof. He's been the running back two and running back five and back-to-back seasons within this LaFleur zone blocking scheme. He's just so deadly. And to me, if you miss out on like the, you know, the big three at the top, your Henry Cook, C-Mac, then I like Zeke a little more than Aaron Jones, but after that, there's, it's really hard for me to argue anyone uh, ahead of Aaron Jones. He is so steady, consistent, with a big ceiling, a decent floor as well. There's a little bit of an injury concern. But, yeah, with this receiving work that could be filtering to him, I, I have him shooting up the projections because of it. All right, and I will. So we're going to hit some of these, but uh, Charlie Prebs just commented, Adams is the goal line guy. Oh, yeah, <laughs> he really is. Like, uh, good to see you too, Preble. We got, we got the steady guys coming to all these shows, which I love to see. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. Tanyan uh, at tight end, Robert Tanyan. Uh, you got him for a little over 50 catches, almost 600 yards receiving six touchdowns. That, to me, that seems about right. 
to me, he's not a bad wait on a tight end and get this guy guy if you end up punting on the position. Uh, I don't know. You got him as your tight end, 13, I think, on projections and 10 on the big board. Seems about right to me. Yeah, I mean, he was the tight end three in fantasy last year, which is psychotic, but that was on the back of 13 touchdowns. I don't expect that again. I think some of those go to Aaron Jones. Some of those go to A.J. Dillon, who could be an absolute monster at the strike, even if he's a zero as a receiver. I, I don't see Tunyon having that type of season again. There is the narrative, like, well, what if we haven't seen the best in Tunyon? He is a good athlete. He what works is- with Kittle in the offseason. I mean, there is that. But now the fact that they added Cobb, Funchess is back, like, I think that was a product of truly there was no one else besides Adams for him to go to consistently last year because MBS was always banged up. Lazard was always banged up. So Tanya kind of became the de facto number two. I just don't see that happening two seasons in a row. All right. Fair enough. We're going to move on to the last team in the division, the Minnesota Vikings, uh, piloted by Kirk Cousins. Uh, (laughs) 366 uh, completions out of 529 attempts. Uh, a little under 4,700 yards, 34 touchdowns, 13 picks. Now, you did actually have his touchdown numbers come up a little bit, but you dropped him on your overall list a tiny bit. You got him as your quarterback 17 on projections uh, all the way down at 21 on the big board. So it's not like this is a guy you're really excited about. And I think this is another – whether you're catching our projection series for the first time uh, or or this is your – you're here with us every single day, this is a reminder that – he's up towards the top of my list in passing yards and touchdowns and still only 17 in projections, which goes to show you like how nuts and how valuable that is to have that good old, uh, the, the good old Russian Konami code upside there. So ultimately, yeah, I do not expect a a massive fantasy season from, even if I expect some nice steady high floor, like he's a good guy to balance out. If you're waiting on a Justin Fields, if you're waiting on a, a Trey Lance, Okay, he fits that. I'd prefer Ryan Fitzpatrick, but still, he fits that kind of bill of that type of guy. But yeah, just nothing exciting, and it's just a good reminder of how valuable those rushing stats are. All right, uh, let's talk about a guy who's super valuable by any uh, metric, which is Dalvin Cook. Ooh. All right, Dalvin Cook, you've got. He's actually come up a little bit recently, although there wasn't much further for him to come up on your list you got him as your running back two on the projection list I think you have him at three on the big board you got him getting a massive 326 carries uh over 1600 yards on the ground 14 touchdowns adding over 50 catches 400 yards and two touchdowns uh receiving now you have him getting a massive workload and putting up pretty big numbers both rushing and receiving you've also got Alexander Madison uh getting over 100 carries and getting a decent clip on that. You see this as just regular in-game production. You're not hedging for an injury here, right? No, right, exactly. That's just regular in-game production because of how massive this ground pie is. They're built on the backbone of that Gary Kubiak zone scheme. I expect them to be one of the heaviest run teams they were last year. I think they're going to do so again. Um, I, I think when you mention injury, you have to mention that with Dalvin Cook, who's missed time in every single professional season. That's the worry here. That's why I have him at three instead of two. If he plays all 16 games, he could threaten Christian McCaffrey for the top spot, given how just dynamite he is in this zone blocking scheme and just as a player in general. Uh, he led the league in goal line attempts last year. I think that is very well within his reach again this season, hence the 14 TDs. He's great as a receiver, hence why in PPR leagues you might want to consider him over the you know King Henry. Half PPR, you might even want to as well if you think this guy can sustain all 17 games. I do get worried about that injury history. I've been, you know, had my heart broken by Dalvin Cook before. So I, I do carry a little trepidation with that. But still, 
There is no any qualms with what this guy can do on the field, any qualms with his workload. He is just a monster. It's just a matter of health. All right. Let's get into another guy who's very high on the list, and that's uh, Justin Jefferson, who I mentioned earlier. I made a comp to A-Rob. And you've got him as your wide receiver four projection. You had A-Rob at nine. You have him as your sixth guy on the big board. You have A-Rob, I think, at 13. Or maybe it's backwards. It might be 13 and nine the other way. But either way, you got him ranked quite a bit higher on both of those. Now, if you look at stats, you got Jefferson getting the same number of catches on the same number of targets. The only difference is you got him pulling in a couple more touchdowns and getting like 250 more yards. Um, yeah, I, think I mean, that's it. I mean, you're getting, he's getting the same number of targets, the same number of catches. So I don't know. I, I mean, I know these are projections. These are not written in stone or anything like that, but I feel like that makes my point a little bit. Now also, so you're going to talk about Jefferson in a second, Adam Thielen, you've got him as your wide receiver 23 on both lists. Uh, also getting 140 targets, by the way, uh, yeah. pulling in 86 to 90 balls, 1100 yards, eight touchdowns. I don't know, man. Thielen, man, Thielen's always just there sucking up fantasy points, isn't he? He really is. He's become just one of those, like nobody, it, it, I, I want to write a series and, and maybe JT's writing it this year called unsexy upside. Like he's so nobody, unsexy. Nobody's looking like, Oh, I can't wait to get Thielen. Right. But he falls to round five off and you can get him as your three or even two, if you've gone horse, horse, horse or Kelsey, and he's going to be steady. Like he, is going to that last year they were right around the, the, these target projections. I had twenty eight percent share, twenty four percent share. Those were a little bit closer. This is saying I think Jefferson takes another step and sees a little more work than Thielen. They were more neck and neck last year, but even still, uh, one hundred thirty targets for a good, talented receiver. That yeah, he's he's towards the back nine of his career, but still getting it done, especially as as a red zone threat. He is dangerous out there. So I love Thielen's value late fourth, early fifth. I, I love where he's going, but I also love Jefferson. Late second, as you said, my projections have him coming out as a wide receiver four, and I don't have him quite that high because he is only a sophomore. He's a little dinged up in camp. There's definitely question marks. Will he do it again? I think so, though. He's the type of guy, hard-ass worker, like just been on the grind all year trying to become one of the best. He's laughing at the people that think he's going to regress and like talks about how he pins it all up. One of those types of guys, the, the real grinders that just is fed by the, the doubt, and I like that. I, I think he's going to come right back out there. 1480 is, is right around what he did last year. I'm just projecting a little bit more touchdowns there as he refines his deep game. I, I, both of those guys at their prices, late second, early third for Justin Jefferson and late, you know, late fourth, early fifth for Thielen are complete steals. Cause as you look at there after them, I think Chad Beebe wide receiver three, 7% target. Like there's nothing. The, the tight yeah, end not. is dangerous and we'll talk about him in a second. Uh, but yeah, I am, I'm all in on Jefferson and Thielen at their prices this year. And like you mentioned, at tight end, Irv Smith Jr., he's gotten a little bump from you uh, lately. Uh, you got him as your tight end 12 on your projections and your tight end 11 on the big board. 55 catches, 682, eight touchdowns is the last numbers I have for him. Kyle Rudolph now out of town. Um, I wouldn't be too uh, unhappy if I waited on a tight end and I got him. I, I'm with you 100%. Like I, I, t- I said yesterday, you know, Logan Thomas is kind of my cutoff. I want Logan Thomas. If I'm, I'm going any lower, I'm starting to get sick. Smith is one that I could get a little bit excited about owning. He is an athletic freak, a big body, you know, lineage, the genetics with him. He got all that going for him. And every single day, there's a new report, another two touchdown day for Irv Smith in the red zone. He is just dynamite in that area. We already have seen that on the NFL field, but him and, and Rudolph were constantly nibbling each other's cheese. Well, now Rudolph's gone. 
And so there's no more cheese nibbling for Smith. At 76 targets is pretty low. And they don't, that's just because I think Thielen and Jefferson just dominate this, this workload like they did last year. But I think this guy could be so efficient as a scorer that 76 targets is all he's really going to need to be a top 12 fantasy tight end. I'll get him all day. If I miss on, on Smith, like if I miss on Thomas, rather Smith is kind of that next guy. Like I better get him or else I'm really feeling about my tight ends. So yeah, I love Smith. And even if I have a number one tight end already, like if I have Logan Thomas, I don't mind taking Smith in that 12th round range where he's going right now because I think the touchdown equity, the touchdown upside is so high at that price tag. All right. That's the NFC North, guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Look at us. Look at us. Three divisions down, That We're almost halfway done already. I know. I, I wish – you know how there's pictures of the presidents and they start their term and then there's pictures of them at the end of, like, say, say they do two terms and, and they look like they're, like, 30 years older? I feel like by the end of this series, I'm going to be, you know, looking like I'm like five, six years old. <laughs> I, here. I just looked, I took the projections off and saw my face, my hair's drooping, like my sweat's all I'm going. <laughs> once, once we hit the big time, we're going to be able to afford Botox and stuff, right? Uh, I keep forgetting to uh, move the, uh, the, the projection thing too. Oops, that was my fault this episode, guys. <laughs> my fault, but yes. Exactly. We'll get that Botox soon enough, Matt. <laughs> it's going to help help some of us on the older end. All righty, guys. Another projection in the book. Three of eight down, five more to go. It's been a blast. We really, I think what makes it, I don't know if you agree with me, Truth, but what makes it like not easier, I love doing it anyways, but just like better, is the fact that the same six people are always here no matter what. We're getting new people in and interacting as well. But it's like, you know you're going to see Preble. You know you're going to see Chavez, like, all these guys, Samuel, starting to show up more and more. ML and Michael, like all these guys. Of course, Tunes, we know, is going to be there. But it's just awesome to see your guys, like more and more. Yeah. You feel the same way? <laughs> yeah, I enjoy it. It's fun. You always yeah. know you're going to get some interaction from some of the same guys. And like you said, some new guys showing up all the time. Makes it fun. I enjoy it. Um, looking forward to the next one. Absolutely. You can find it here, 1.30 p.m. every day. Eastern time, maybe a couple minutes later as we finalize our notes. But we'll always be right around that time uh, for these future projection series. You can find all our content at RoastryJournal.com. We breed and feed Fancy Wolves or the Fancy Full Bag Dive. We paved your path to 2021 titles. You can find me as well at Roto Street Wolf. Always up updating the big board. These projections, even if it pisses Nat off, they're always changing because the market is always changing in fantasy and you need the most up-to-date stuff, guys. So follow me along. Follow Roto Street Journal. I am the wolf. I'm the truth. In a world full of fancy sheep, be the wolf, guys. Later. Later. Uh-huh.